you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. Today starts a brand new sermon series. We are going to spend the next several weeks studying through an Old Testament book, the book of Amos. And I want to just invite you, if you're watching this thing from home and you have a Bible on your tablet or on your phone, go ahead and click on that thing. But I want to tell you, I have been praying for you before this sermon series even started. I've been praying for all of us in this room. I've been praying for me. I've been praying for those of you who will be watching this over the next several weeks online. Because if you're struggling right now with the stuff that's going on in your society, maybe you don't live in the United States, maybe you live somewhere else, maybe you do live here and you're watching what's happening in your country, in your city, and you don't like the way things are going, I've been praying that the Lord would speak to you through this sermon series. And then I've been praying that the Lord would speak through you very specifically that you would start to become a voice like Amos. If you look on the screens, you see the picture of a megaphone. And what you're going to hear today is about this really unlikely person that becomes this really powerful voice against injustice, this voice against hatred, this voice against evil. But to set this up, I just want to ask you, do you really, really believe that one voice can make a difference? I mean, really, do you believe it? Certainly thousands or millions of voices can make a difference, but do you believe just one voice can make a difference? You see, there was a girl, she's a nobody, just a teenage girl who was no power, no influence, no real money, no real clout. And she just started to speak out against the injustice that she saw. And nobody really listened to her. Nobody wanted to hear what she had to say. In fact, when she started to speak out, people didn't like what they were hearing. And they attacked her. And she refused, like Amos, to be silent. She continued to speak out, no matter how violent the attacks. On her 16th birthday, after having already received the Nobel Peace Prize, she was invited on her birthday to speak at the United Nations. This one girl, Malala Yousafzai, became a voice that could not be silenced. This is her celebrating her 16th birthday. Malala Day is not my day. Today is the day of every woman, every boy, and every girl who have raised their voice for their rights. The terrorists thought that they would change my aims and stop my ambitions. But nothing changed in my life except this. Weakness, fear, and hopelessness died. Strength, power, and courage was born. So let us wage a global struggle against illiteracy, poverty, and terrorism. Let us pick up. Let us pick up our books and our pens. They are our most powerful weapons. 
one child, one teacher, one book, and one pen can change the world. Education is the only solution. Do you believe one voice can really, really change the world? Think about it. If she is silent after those terrorists attack her on her way to school, if after that gunshot wound to the head silences her, no one knows Malala Yousafzai's name. But because she refuses to stop speaking, or because she refuses to be silent, her voice echoes all over the world. Nobody knows those terrorist names. But everyone around the world recognizes this teenage girl's voice. There's another voice that was really, really unusual and had incredible power. One voice that reverberated across the world. He had no possessions. He had no rights. He had no earthly power whatsoever. In fact, when he stood up and started to speak out, he was still a slave. He wrote his memoirs and wanted the world to hear that he is a voice that will not be silenced. And here's what I just want you to hear. If you were paying attention to the beginning of the book of Amos, you cannot miss this today. God gave you a voice. And I am convinced he gave you a voice for a reason. Now, with that voice, you can do a lot of good. Or with that voice, you can do a lot of harm. But when the voice is silenced, it ceases to make an impact. I believe that God gave all of us one voice, and he is giving us the ability to use that voice so that we can work and speak for the good of others. But ultimately, God gave us a voice so that we can glorify the guy that we call King Jesus around here. When Frederick Douglass wrote his memoirs, he was still a slave. He was now living in free territory, but he was still technically the ownership of a slave master from Maryland. And Frederick Douglass made this statement in his memoirs. He said, if you want to find out just how much a people are willing to submit to you or submit to, all you have to do is figure out how much injustice, how much evil they're willing to be silent to. And that will tell you how far you can go with these people. Here's Frederick Douglass's final words. He said, these people will continue to be uh, subject to slavery, to injustice, to hatred, to evil. Listen to this. Until they resist it with words or with blows or with both. Until you stand up and until you speak out, you will be subjected to violence. You'll be subjected to hatred. You'll be subjected to injustice. It's going to happen in our day. It will happen in Frederick Douglass's day. And it happened in the life of a prophet from the Old Testament, a really unusual prophet in the Old Testament, a guy by the name of Amos. We're going to start in verse 1 chapter 1 from the book of Amos today, and I want you to hear who this 
one voice is. Because he's not the kind of prophet that you would expect to hear from in the Bible. Here's what the Bible says. Amos chapter 1 verse 1. The words of Amos, who was one of the sheep breeders from Tekoa. Now, I need to pause right there for a second and explain this phrase, sheep breeder, because Amos is not the average prophet. He's not a professional spokesman. He's not a son of the prophet. In fact, Amos is really a businessman. He's not even a shepherd who's working in the fields like David when he's writing psalms and when David is taking care of his father's sheep. A sheep breeder is somebody who who raises up animals and sells animals, who's taking care of a ledger and who is a businessman, basically. I want you to think about Amos today like somebody who's working at an office behind a computer. I want you to think about him like a guy who's working on the factory floor. Think about him like somebody who's in the classroom every day, all day long with students. Think about him like somebody who's taking care of a burping baby, changing diapers all day long. That's what Amos is doing when all of a sudden, God starts to tap on Amos' shoulder. And when God starts to show Amos what's happening around him, it hits Amos in the chest like a sledgehammer. And now Amos starts to notice the injustice around him, and Amos starts to speak out, can no longer remain silent about injustice. Amos is just a dude like you. When God starts to reveal to him what's been happening around him. And maybe Amos is so busy at work, so busy at home, that he doesn't really notice what's happening until God gets his attention. The words of Amos, who was a sheep breeder from Tekoa. What he saw regarding Israel in the days of King Uzziah of Judah, Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. That's a really important statement, the earthquake. It's not a earthquake. I want you to think about it like the coronavirus. When your children and grandchildren talk about what's happening right, right now around the world, they're not going to say a virus like SARS or Ebola or the avian flu. They're going to say this is the virus. Well, the earthquake hit Israel in 760 BC. And we can tell exactly when this is, two years before that, 762 B.C., and because we know exactly when this happens, we know exactly what's happening in world politics. We know exactly what's going on all around Israel when Amos starts to take a look at these neighboring cities and countries around him. And here's what Amos says. I love this next verse. It's very unusual. In the Bible, verse 2, Amos says, he, the Lord, said this, the Lord roars from Zion. He makes his voice heard from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds mourn and the summit of Carmel, this giant mountain, withers underneath the voice of God. Amos says that when God speaks, it's like a lion roaring. That's the language that he uses in the Old Testament. And a better translation in the English language would be 
God speaks about the injustice and the evil that's happening in 762 BC, and it is like thunder from heaven. Everybody hears it. What I want you to wrestle with for a few moments today is how exactly does God speak about this injustice that we read about today? And what we're going to do is we're going to start to look at some of the surrounding communities during Amos' day. And what I need you to do is I'm going to need you to roll up your sleeves because we've got some work or we've got some land to cover, literally, today as we take a look at most of chapter 1 and a little bit of chapter 2 from the book of Amos. The first thing that you're going to see as Amos starts to speak out about what's happening in the surrounding cities and countries is he says, God has showed me that the people around Israel are slaughtering my brothers and God is sick of it. God is speaking out against slaughter. He's shouting out against it. And Amos starts to shout out against the slaughter slaughter around him. Now, let me give you a little geography for a second. If you look up on the screens, if you're watching this from the home, home, look at this bottom screen, this bottom um, map. This is the Jordan-Israel area during Amos' time. If you look up in the top corner there, you see the city of Damascus in the top right. If you go straight to the left, you see the city of Tyre. If you were to go all the way to the bottom and to the left, right where the Mediterranean Sea kind of goes off of the map, you would see the biblical city of Gaza. Look at the bottom of the screen. In the purple, you see the country of Edom. Just above it in brown, you see the country of Moab. And just above that in green, you see the country of Ammon. This is all around Israel. And God is going to pronounce his judgment all around Israel through the prophet Amos today. First, he shouts out against the slaughter, this slaughter that happens in verse 3 in the city of Damascus, which is currently Syria today. Here's what the Bible says. The Lord says, I will not relent from punishing Damascus for three crimes, even four, because they've threshed Gilead. With iron sledges. And therefore, I will send fire against Haziel's place, and it will consume Ben Hadad. I will break down the gates of Damascus. I will cut off the rulers of the valley of Avon and the ones who wield the scepter of Beth Eden. The people of Aram will be exiled to Kerr. That's their original birthplace. The Lord has spoken. Now, just to give you a little bit of what you're going to hear today in each of these little announcements that Amos makes, it uses this phrase, there are three crimes or there are four crimes that God is speaking out against. When you see the word crime in the Bible today, I want you in your mind to substitute it with the word sin because it's the exact same word. There is a crime, a sin, a trespass that's happened. And this biblical um, literary device of saying, you know what, there's three things. In fact, there's four things that I have problems with you about. This is kind of a way in the Old Testament of saying God's keeping a list. 
and God has not missed any of the crimes, any of the sins that have happened around Israel. And the first crime that he speaks against is this city of Damascus. And here's what he says, you raked across my people like a sledge across the threshing floor. Really quickly, when grain was threshed and the kernels of grain were separated from the stalks, they would often use animals to trample on the grain. Sometimes they would use a sleigh that's pulled behind the animal and that sleigh would have a sledge. That's the word that Amos uses. This sledge was usually made out of stone and it was designed to crush the grain. Or sometimes it was made, listen to this, out of wood and it had iron spikes driven through it. And it would pulverize the grain. It would slaughter the grain. And what God just said is, Damascus, you've trampled across my people like an animal tramples across the grain. You have sledged my people like a sleigh with this giant stone sledge or this wood and iron um, instrument of torture. That's what you've done to my people. And I've seen it, and I'm sick of it, and as a result, I'm going to respond to it. And here's what God says he's going to do. I'm going to put you back in your place, Damascus. I'm going to literally send you back to Kerr, back to the land that you originally started from, because you went into the land of my people, and you brutally treated them. You slaughtered them in the city streets. God is perfectly aware. He's speaking out. God cares what happens to the innocent. He cared in Amos' day, and I need you to hear this. He cares today, even if it seems like he's unaware. So God's people, because we have the heart of God, should be willing to stand up and speak out. Just like in Amos' day, we should be willing to cry out against people with calloused hearts. I was thinking about this, praying about this this week. Do you know the people that are most willing to stand up and to speak out against injustice? Usually, they're people whose hearts are set on heaven. And the more that your heart is set on heaven, the more that your mouth is willing to speak out against what you see here. Because you're comparing what you see here to what's waiting for you in heaven. And you're starting to realize these two things are not adding up. It's not supposed to be this way. When Christians, unfortunately, get their heart set on here and their mind is off of heaven, then they stop speaking out against the injustice. Their hearts are just not, uh, their hearts are in the wrong place. And maybe that's what was going on with Amos. He was just busy earning a living, breeding sheep until God came and tapped on his heart. And when God started to tap on his heart, Amos could no longer be silent. And Amos started to cry out against the people around him that had calloused hearts, against the people around him like in the biblical city of Gaza in the Philistine land during his day. Amos chapter 1 verse 6, the Lord says, I will not relent from punishing Gaza for three crimes, even four, because they exiled a whole community, handing them over to Eden. 
And therefore, here's what God says he's going to do. I will send fire against the walls of Gaza, and it will consume its citadels. I will cut off the ruler of Ashdod and the one who yields the scepter of Ashkelon. These are prominent Philistine cities. I will also turn my hand against Ekron, and the remainder of the Philistines will perish. The Lord God has spoken. By the time that Amos writes these words, People have been treated and mistreated by the Philistines for hundreds of years. And it's been this repeated cycle of war and the Philistines conquer Israel and then Israel cries out, God, I'm sorry, God, will you forgive us? God, will you protect us? And God gives them victory. And then they end up in sin and the Philistines come back and they conquer them. And it goes on and on literally for centuries. Until finally in Amos' day, God says, I've seen what's happened. I haven't been asleep at the wheel. I know exactly what's going on. And I'm fed up with it. To the point that I'm going to wipe the Philistines off of the map. Literally, Amos chapter 1 verse 6. Like you did to my people. When you took an entire community and you defeated them in battle and then you carted them away as slaves and you sold them into slavery just so that you could have their land, God is saying, I saw what you did. I saw how wicked and how hard-hearted you are. And I'm now up to here with it. And as a result of this, I'm going to do to you Philistines, what you did to my people, I'm going to cart you away, except for I'm going to send you away for good. And the memory of your name will vanish from the earth because of what you've done to my people. Here's what Amos says next when he starts to speak out. God is thundering from heaven. And there's been an agreement between two countries, a treaty between these two countries. And then one of the countries breaks the treaty and breaks their word, their solemn oath. God hears about it, and God thunders against this treason. Amos chapter 1, starting in verse 9. The Lord says, I will not relent from punishing Tyre for three crimes, even four, because they handed over a whole community of exiles, listen to this, to Edom their brothers. And they broke the treaty. Look at it on the screens. The treaty of brotherhood. They, they broke not only their word, but they broke their word to their own relations, to their own brothers. And therefore, here's what God says. I will send fire against the walls of Tyre. I will consume its citadels. There's this tree that was going on between Syrophoenicia up in the north and Edom. And they were close relations to one another. Both of them were actually close relations to Israel. They had this treaty together. And the people of Tyre, the king of the land, decided, I like their land, and I want their land. So he broke the treaty, and he kind of helped a foreign army defeat their own brothers. They committed treason, and they broke their treaty, and God is perfectly aware of it. God says, I know what's happening here. I've seen all of this go down. You have broke your word, and I expected you to keep your word. And because you didn't keep your word, now I'm going to punish you for breaking this treaty and for selling your own relatives. 
into uh, giving, handing them over into the hand of foreign armies. You're asking the question, does God really care about that little white lie? Does God really care if I'm a man or a woman of my word? Well, Amos's answer is yes, he cares. And when you make a commitment, when you give your word, God expects his people to keep his word. I realize that the people around you who are not followers of Jesus, our king, they may flippantly give a vow. They may make a promise and then easily break their promise. But it's not supposed to be like that with God's people. In fact, Jesus says it this way. The father of all lies is Satan. And when you tell a lie, you're just following in the footsteps of your father who is the father of lies. You're following in the footsteps of Satan. Jesus says, I am the way. Listen to this. I am the truth. And he expects people to keep their word. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. And Tyre broke their word. And by the time you get to the next prophecy from Amos, it's pretty obvious geographically what's happening here. Because God is thundering from heaven against treason, and he's roaring like a lion against the rage that people have in their hearts. He roars specifically against Edom, who has already been done wrong, and so they do wrong to God's people. Here's what it says, Amos chapter 1, verse 11. The Lord says, I will not relent from punishing Edom. Even though you were done wrong, you did wrong. And I will not relent from punishing them for three crimes, even four. And here's what they did. He pursued his brother with the sword. Literally, his brother Jacob or his brother Israel. He pursued him with the sword. He stifled his compassion. His heart was supposed to be tender towards his relations, towards the neighboring country of Israel. But he stifled his compassion and his anger tore at him continually and he harbored his rage incessantly. And therefore, God says, I will send fire against Teman and I will consume the citadels of Bozrah. The Lord says, I will not relent from punishing. I will not relent from punishing. This thing isn't working right now. There we go. Wait a second. I will not... I will not relent from, whatever, you know what, we'll get to that one next. In this prophecy, Edom, if you were to go back and read in the book of Genesis, is literally the descendants of Esau, the twin brother of Jacob. Jacob's name is changed to Israel. Esau's name is changed to Edom. And they're brothers. They're right next to each other in the ancient land of Israel. And Edom has just been done wrong by Tyre. And so Edom takes it out on their brother Israel right across the Jordan River. And Edom does something terrible against their brother Israel. And God says, your heart was supposed to be tender. Your heart was supposed to be compassionate towards your brother Israel. And instead, Esau, you treated them harshly. You treated Jacob, your twin brother, harshly. And because of this, now I'm going to punish you. And I'm going to send punishment against the land. God cares about family relationships. He cared about it in the book of Genesis. He cares about it during Amos' day. And God cares about family relationships today. Let me see if I can make this thing work. 
Here's what he does next. Amos starts to speak out for the vulnerable, for the helpless, for people that are exploited, specifically for the pregnant women who are being brutally mistreated. In Amos chapter 1, verse 13, it says this. The Lord says, I will not relent from punishing the Ammonites. Now, look for just a second up here, would you? Amos started in Damascus, went down to Gaza, then went up to Tyre, then went down to Edom. Now he's over in Ammon, and it's pretty obvious that he's crisscrossing all around Israel. And in doing so, he's saying, Israel, I see what's happening. I know what's happening to the north. I see what's happening to the south. I know what's happening on your west. I see what's happening all around you, Israel. I don't want you to think that I forgot about what's happening to you. The Lord says, I will not relent from punishing Ammon. For three crimes, even four. And here's what they did. Because they literally ripped open the pregnant women of Gilead. And here's why they did it. Just because they wanted their land. They did it in order to enlarge their own territory. And therefore, God says, I will set a fire against the walls of Rabbah. And it will consume its citadels. There will be shouting on the day of battle and violent wind on the day of the storm. The king and his princes will go into exile together. And this decree cannot be changed. Here's why. Because the Lord, all caps, has spoken. When you think about people that are vulnerable and at risk, there are few people in the Old Testament that fit this category better than pregnant women. And when there's a battle and when Ammon is coming to take over some of the land of Israel, they not only defeat their soldiers in warfare, we would expect action like that, but they also take um, this torture. They literally exploit these pregnant women, rip them open, um, kill the women and their babies at the same time. This act of slaughter just to prove a point, just to show how violent and how successful their army can be. And if you're living in Israel at the time, you would ask the question, where is God in all of this? Why isn't God stepping up and protecting the vulnerable in our city? Why isn't God doing something to prevent this from happening? And then you hear the voice of Amos saying, God is aware of what's going on. And God will not let it stand. He will react because of the helpless people around you that are being exploited. There is really no country on earth today where the weak and the vulnerable are not being exploited by some kind of corrupt leader, by some kind of people that have power and authority over them and would take advantage of them. It happened in Amos's day. It's happening in our day. And God shouts out against it. He exclaims that the exploited will not be harmed without God's retribution. Now, normally... We would cruise right through the end of chapter 1. We just got to the end of Amos chapter 1, and we would stop there. But Amos has one more group of people, 
one more foreign nation that he wants to speak out against. It's Amos chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And what Amos does is said, God is aware of what your leaders do. And God will not allow it to stand. His voice burns against these bad leaders. Amos chapter 2, we're going to wrap up here, starting in verse 1. The Lord says, I will not relent from punishing Moab for three crimes, even four. And here's what Moab did. He burned the bones of the king of Edom to lime. Therefore, I will send fire against Moab. I will do to him what he just did to his neighbors. And I will consume the citadels of Kiriath. Moab will, be, will die with a tumult, with a shouting and with the sound of a ram's horn. I will cut off the judge from the land and kill all of its leaders, its officials, with him. And this, like the others cannot be um, undone, and the reason why is because the Lord has spoken. If you're following along in your mind geographically, he started with Gaza, and he has now gone all the way around Israel, literally completely encircling Israel and speaking out against what's happened to the north. And over on the west and to the south, and if there wasn't a Mediterranean Sea on the east, I'm sure that Amos would be speaking out against what's happening to the east of Israel. And he's saying that God has seen all of this, and God is perfectly aware of what's happening, and God will not let it stand. Now, I really need you for just a second. We're going to wrap up with this. I need you to put yourself in the footsteps of Amos. When you're just a simple businessman, just doing your job and trying to make an, a living and trying to feed your family, and then all of a sudden, God starts to tap on your heart and he starts to say, hey, Amos, I want you to go to Edom and tell the king of Edom that I'm going to destroy his land. Amos, I want you to go to Gaza, and I want you to tell them that I'm going to punish Gaza. I want you to go down to, or go over to Tyre, and go to Moab, and I want you to go to Ammon, and I want you to go to Gaza, and I want you to tell them that I am going to do something brutal to them. Imagine how you feel when you're sending messages like this to all of the nations around you, sending these very unpopular messages, you feel exactly like I would. You start to think, God, I'm pretty sure you got the wrong person. God, I'm just one, I'm just one man. I can't possibly make a difference in all of these countries around Israel. God, why would you choose me? I'm just a businessman. I don't do this for a living. Why do you want me to go deliver these unpopular messages? In fact, your knees are knocking when you send the messages to all of the nations around you. And deep in your heart, come on, y'all, just admit it. You're thinking to yourself, I'm not sure I want to do this. In fact... I think I'd rather just remain silent because of what this will do to me if I stand up and speak out. I can't tell you the dozens, if not hundreds, of Christians that I've met who say, I don't talk about my faith because I know 
If I stand up and speak out, people are going to start to examine my lifestyle. And I don't want to deal with that. And so I just keep it to myself. And I remain silent. Can I remind you of what Frederick Douglass said? You will endure what you're willing to be silent about. In fact, Malala Yousafzai said it this way. When the whole world is silent, now you have the perfect opportunity. Because now even one voice becomes powerful. And I'm certain that Amos is sitting there thinking, God, you got the wrong guy. God, this isn't what I do for a living. God, pick somebody else. Because if I stand up and speak out, I know what's going to happen to my family. I know what's going to happen to my business. If you follow the book of Amos, he cannot sit on the message of God. He just cannot bring himself to be silent. I'll tell you really quickly, this is exactly what happened to me. I can tell you the exact spot on, on planet Earth. Where I was just doing my job, and I loved what I was doing and wanted to do it for the rest of my life. And there was a moment where God started to poke me in the heart and say, Jeff, I'm ready for you to do something different with your life than just kick indoors and just kill bad guys as a sergeant in the Army's Ranger Regiment. Jeff, I want you to be a voice. And in my mind, I was thinking, God, you got the wrong guy. God, get somebody else. And he sat on my heart like a 100-kilogram weight, and I couldn't get it off of my chest. And to this day, I can't be silent. Maybe like you, you're saying, God, I'm scared to be the kind of voice that I know you're calling me to be. Here's what I want you to hear. In just a second, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that you would, number two on the screens, that you would start to listen to the Holy Spirit. Maybe he's tapping on your heart like he did on Amos's heart, like he did on Frederick Douglass's heart, like he did on my heart. Maybe he's tapping on your heart right now. I really have been praying all week long Number three on the screens, that you would start to find your voice, that you would use this very powerful tool that God has given you, and you would become a voice that speaks out against injustice because you just can't sit back and let it happen and be silent. Maybe somebody is watching this and they're saying, I don't know that I've ever really heard the voice of God, and it's because your soul is not in tune. Because your soul is still asleep, it's still dead in sin, and maybe what you need today more than anything else is to just simply have the Holy Spirit awaken a dead soul. So would you bow, and would you just listen to the Holy Spirit as I just offer this prayer over you right now? Father, I can't help but listen to the voice of a simple businessman like Amos who says, I was just breeding sheep and doing my job, and then all of a sudden the Lord grabbed a hold of my heart and wouldn't let it go. And when he grabbed a hold of my heart, I could no longer remain silent. I started to become aware of all of this wickedness and all of this evil and injustice that's happening around me. And when I started to become aware, I couldn't sit on it any longer. And God, there is really no place on earth 
where people are not being mistreated, where there's not evil and wickedness and injustice happening. And it's because this is the condition of the human heart. We were born into sin and this sinful, wicked heart that we have, it causes us to take advantage of the weak. It causes us to do wrong or to break our word or the other things that we've heard from Amos today. God, I can't fix the human heart. Only you can do that. And so maybe somebody's tuned into this stream and they're watching this at their home and all of a sudden they're realizing, I don't think I've ever heard from God. And I don't mean an audible voice from heaven. I don't think I've ever really heard God speak to my soul. And maybe what they're realizing for the first time is, God, I need you to do a miracle Maybe my soul is dead. Maybe I'm still dead in my sin. And God, maybe what I need from you right now is for your Holy Spirit to shout like Jesus shouted into the tomb and told Lazarus, his friend, who was dead, to come out alive. And then that dead man walked out of the tomb alive. God, maybe somebody will cry out to you right where they're at, a prayer of faith, and say, God, I need you to take a dead soul and make it alive for the first time today. I need you to do a miracle in my heart. And God, I'm here turning from my sins and surrendering myself to you and asking you to do this miracle for me, something that I can't do for myself. Father, I'm praying for your people right now. I'm praying that they would become highly in tune with your Holy Spirit, that they would hear him leading them and speaking to them. And when they hear him, they will listen carefully this week, and then they will find their voice. And maybe you'll cause somebody who's watching this to write a letter to the editor or start a blog or begin to do some kind of public outcry against the injustice that they see around them, no longer hoping for a president or a prime minister or a political party to fix what's wrong with them and their land, their country, but starting to realize only God can fix this mess, and I'm going to no longer be silent. I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to speak out, and I'm freaking out about it a little bit because I realize this may cost me but I can't be silent anymore. Father, would you take the voice of your people? Would you amplify it and cause it to echo all over the world? Would you be glorified as we use this really, really powerful tool that you've given us called the human voice, a tool for the good of our brothers and to bring glory to your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that I pray this. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.